Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio. This show presented by the Well Coffee House, a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee, along with house-made pastries and lunch offerings, as well as breakfast offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, downtown, and Bellevue. You can get more information at wellcoffeehouse.org. The Well Coffee House, where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-sponsor, co-presenting sponsor, that is, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, which is located in the Gulch. Today's news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Vanderbilt sweeps Illinois-Chicago in a three-game baseball series. Over the weekend, pitching was excellent again. Basketball loses 80-78 to at the buzzer to Georgia as Tyree Crump hits a 35-footer to win that game. Saban Lee had 34 points for the Commodores and, frankly, was brilliant in a losing effort. The guest line presented by Bowling Branch, which was started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen, had no clue how comfortable their sheets could be until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. George Plaster joins me from Nashville Sports Radio. George, it was another long and crazy weekend. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Tired. <laughs> um, I wrote another piece last <laughs> night on facilities. There's still a lot of uncertainty. I've just never had a good feeling about this. It's going to be interesting to see how Vanderbilt plays this next. Well, I think based on past history, you almost have to assume that nothing is going to happen and then hope that if something does, that you end up being pleasantly surprised and and that's kind of how you you roll with it. They are so good at keeping everything at arm's length. I know going back to don't remember if it was the summer of 2014 or 2015 when they were going to do some stuff for a new stadium or a refurbished stadium and was told by a source who knew would no uncertainty about it that it was going to be part of the next capital campaign and then that campaign came and went and no athletics and then they hire Malcolm Turner and give him the authority to change things. And, you know, frankly, I guess this is a good way to put it, okay? I don't know exactly what happened, but I have kids and I had brothers, and I don't agree with a lot of what Malcolm did or how he handled some things, and you never know what it's like being inside a building with the guy. And so there's the part of that that I don't know, and, I'm willing to reserve judgment on. But I've also kind of seen how kids fight and do things. And, you know, little brother can can pester little sister for 10 minutes and throw some jabs and things. And if you walk into the room, you know, at the wrong time and little sister throws a jab back and that's all you see, that's how you know. And there's part of me that wonders if that's not happened with Malcolm. I mean, it just seems like he was never going to get supported. They were never on board with big changes. Um, you know, the narrative I kept hearing on the way out, uh, this was emanating from inside that building is he had no plan and nothing was done and those sorts of things. As a follow-up on that, it's not true. Uh, no, maybe a lot of it was never going to be approved, but it just seems like a setup, and it now seems like they're in a spot where now they are kind of saying Candace Lee said something to the athletic that was released this morning about this plan over the next four or five years, and who knows how this turns out. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like now they're laying the groundwork for let's give us more time, and 
they always seem to know how to buy themselves a couple years and a couple years passes and nothing's happened. And I just can't help but be skeptical. Yeah, I'm right there with you uh, as far as the skepticism part goes. I think the sad thing is I'm not sure they have five years uh, to screw around with this. I think Vanderbilt Athletics is at a really um, kind of a bad crossroad right now. And I think where you start with it is there's not much of a fan base. If you were to go around to all of the Power Five schools, Right now, Vanderbilt may have as small a fan base as anybody out there. I used to think Temple was at the the lowest point. You'd see those old pictures of them playing a game at Veterans Stadium, and you know there'd be four thousand people in a seventy thousand seat stadium. Well, that's kind of what Vandy has become, and I don't think um, I don't think they have that kind of time to just play around with people anymore. Because I think so many people have gotten off the wagon and have said to hell with it, that if there's much more of this, I just don't know what what would happen. Well, the other thing that buying time has gotten them is it buys them a couple more years and everybody else does stuff and they say, oh man, you know, it's just so expensive now to keep up. We're so far behind I can't prove intent, but it just seems like there's been a lot of this push the can down the road. And then when it gets more expensive, say, well, man, it's too expensive to fix. Yeah, but I think this, this go round, um, the stakes to me are much higher than they have been. Like I said, I just think they're in a position right now where if this continues, this malaise and, and, you know, those fans that have given up, um, you know, another group's just really angry. I don't think they've got that long to screw around. I really don't. Because, I, you know, they're as close to zero in the fan base business as you can get. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't know. I don't know how they get out of this without – external pressure either from the league or from boosters slash parents of players or something along those lines to where the embarrassment is something they've got to deal with. I mean, the embarrassment of what they did that was written up in the paper, I think was what brought about a new AD, but then they just sabotaged that guy and the move on to this and lo and behold, um, They've got one of their, I think, hand-picked administrative people running the show now. Right. At some point, though, this is all going to come back, um, or at least I think it's going to come back to what I'm yapping about, which is that we have never seen it at this low a point. And if the buffoonery continues, um, something really bad is going to happen here. Um, because it cannot continue to go on like this. I know I sound like gloom and doom. Somebody with some level of leadership is going to have to take over and and start fighting for athletics, because if they don't, there's not going to be any. I think what is discouraging is I hear that some of the bigger families that are involved – with their athletics are just getting increasingly discouraged too. And again, if you choke off the bigger boosters, it can write those check and they're discouraged. There's just not much backdrop left to keep this from sinking. Oh, I think you're right. I mean, you know, I think uh, initially a lot of people end up, well, you're just being negative, that kind of thing. But I think the, the longer that they watch all this, they start to realize there, there's some really serious problems here and nobody seems to be addressing any of them. It's all the same level of buffoonery that it always has been a lot of rhetoric, a lot of, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. I just think that this time the stakes are higher because things have reached such a low point 
that if something doesn't start to get better soon, this thing's going to fall off the table. You're having Candace Lee on your show this afternoon. Uh, we're doing this Monday morning. I was face-to-face with her in the press conference when she got announced three weeks ago. I asked her three pretty specific questions. I didn't find that I got an answer on much of anything. There didn't seem to be any sense of alarm or urgency. Maybe that's not fair, but that's what we have to go on. Uh, The interview in The Athletic that she did today was not very revealing. Seemed to be a lot of questions around her circumstance and how she got there and those sorts of things. I didn't see anything in that that really asked any tough questions, that really set out any goals. You never hear talk of winning. Um, I wonder what she's going to say on your show today. Well, you never know. Um, you know, I'd like to think that I've got some interview skills, and and I certainly um, am going to try to get down to the problems that exist really quick in the interview because it's it's a short amount of time. It's 15, 18 minutes. Uh, the interview is scheduled to take place at 2.15. So, you know, I'm going to try to get right to the issues that, that exist. And for me, uh, the fan base thing is the number one problem right now. You cannot continue to run an athletic department with zero fans. Uh, Malcolm Turner, one of the things that he tried to do um, when they realized the situation that they were in was to gouge, you know, Georgia and LSU fans charge them a, a crazy amount of money. And that probably put several million dollars extra into the athletic department coffers. And that's all fine and dandy, but that's not how you run an athletic department. Uh, that's not how ultimately in the end you're going to succeed. You've got to succeed by having your people in the stands who are excited and enthused and not having your home stadium turned into, you know, Georgia's excuse for a, a JV scrimmage or LSU's excuse for one. Um, I, you know, I feel very strongly about that. I understand why they did it. Uh, they realized they weren't going to sell any tickets on this end, and they thought, what the heck. But you owe it to your student-athletes to try to give them the best setting that you can give them and I think in that respect, they have flunked miserably. Well, and I think that's where some of what he tried to do met a lot of resistance. I mean, the narrative of Malcolm coming out three weeks ago was that he'd spent all this money. And as you dig in, you find out, okay, there's some truth to that. But there was also more there that he spent that went towards stuff than I think that they would have liked to advertise. I've dug in a little bit more. I think they did some things with – bathrooms and stuff like that in the stadium to fix some things. Somebody told me at one point they had a toilet over there that leaked for four years that nobody ever fixed. I mean, there were just some basic things of incompetency that went unchecked for years under David Williams. And I think that Malcolm did do some work on those sorts of things that like a guy like me is not going to see because I'm not in the stadium. I'm in the press box. That's different. And I think some of those things may have met resistance too, where he really tried to move the needle on stuff for fans too. And I got some comments to the story that I wrote last night about Booster saying, we want to see some stuff for fans. And people took that a certain way and said, well, that just sounds like Booster's selfishness. Now, I think what that was, was people saying, look, you could try to raise money for little fixes over here but there aren't bigger fixes that show us that you're committed with the stadium and things that impact our experience, too. We're just going to conclude that these are penny-ante things that won't really move the needle. We want to see a grander plan, and that's where I don't see any evidence that there's anything in terms of stadium fixes and amenities for fans. I think that Malcolm had done some pushing in those areas, and I sense that's where he met some resistance, and I think that's if that's how it went down, is pretty telling. Yeah, what's really gone on is uh, Nashville has changed greatly. 
in the last 15, 20 years, you now have the Predators and the Titans, and you're about to add a soccer franchise. And so what's ended up happening is you have some places with some amenities, and people are willing to pay for those amenities. And you see that all the time, in particular with the Predators. So then you go over to Vanderbilt Stadium, which holds right around 40,000, and there are virtually no amenities. The bathrooms have been in awful shape for years. Um, so that whatever plan you put together, let's say it is to refurbish the existing football stadium. It's not that you need to add a bunch of seats. Lord knows they can't fill them to begin with. But what you do have to do is get into the amenities business. You've got to serve better concessions. Your restrooms have to be better. Your concourses have to be wider. You have to have what essentially would be suites and club level kind of stuff. And the, the reason for that is that's what everybody else is doing. And fans now expect that. They may not have expected it 30 years ago or even 40 years ago when this stadium was refurbished while I was in school. Uh, the the whole landscape has changed, and their answer to it has just been to sit around and do absolutely nothing. If you look at that football stadium, there really isn't one thing that's been done to it in 40 years. No, there really hasn't been much done there. I mean, you've got a new scoreboard and new turf and things like that, but the bleachers are the same as that they that they've been, and the experience is increasingly more miserable. And the irony is that. The stadium, you can see the dorms they're building from there. And those dorms, one estimate I got was that they're going to cost a million dollars per room. And the kids that are going to be occupying those dorms uh, weren't even born when they had problems with the stadium. I mean, it's just crazy to see the contrast literally right in front of your eyes between what they're willing to do and between what they're not willing to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it goes back to the the old feeling that the school has money. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that part. The question is, what are they willing to spend it on? And they've made it very clear. And the public's starting to really figure it out. They just simply don't care about athletics. Let's, um, I guess let's talk hoops and baseball for a minute before we do the mailbag. Um, <laughs> You left just before the miserable finish of the basketball game where Tyree Crump throws in a 35-footer at the buzzer uh, to win a game. He doesn't hit that Vanderbilt. Gets a much-needed win. Uh, the baseball team swept Illinois-Chicago this weekend. The pitching continues to be unbelievable. Any thoughts on the on-field happenings that went down this weekend? Yeah, I felt bad uh, for him in the uh, Georgia situation. It's not as though – a victory really changes a lot of stuff, but you know, those kids have got to be pretty down right now. I admire the fact that they're continuing to play really hard. It also looked to me at one point in the game that Saban Lee just sort of said, screw it. I need to take over. Y'all get out of the way, clear the middle out, get everybody the hell out of there because I'm going to go to work. And, you know, there was a point late in the first half where he must've scored about 10 points in a row. Um, it looked to me like he just sort of took a, everybody get out of the way and get on my back and follow me. And the shame of it was that down the stretch, they couldn't hit the free throws needed to close the deal and get themselves a win. Uh, and while it wouldn't have made a whole lot of difference in the standings, it probably would have been good for morale. And for that, I feel bad for them. Let's go to the mailbag, which is sponsored by Vanderbilt Fan. Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. Josh can take care of your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him at Joshua Minton HQ or facebook.com forward slash J.D. Minton HQ. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it here. Wonders Wonders says... What do you think the state of Vanderbilt athletics will be this time next year in terms of wins, losses, coaching situations, and facilities? 
gee, uh, let's think about that for a second. Let's start with the easy thing. Baseball will be, you know, continuing to be a contender. Uh, they have so much pitching that um, in a college game where pitching is at such a premium, that's their area where they can continue to be a contender because they've just done such a good job collecting pitching. Um, you know, the basketball thing, I don't really see unless there's some major change where the wins and losses are going to get considerably better because they're, it looks to me like they're going to field a lot of the same personnel that they have right now. Will they get a little better? Maybe. But it's hard to see that they're going to get a lot unless there's some influx of transfers or, um, you know, JUCO is really out of the question. So I don't see that getting a ton better. Football, you know, if I had to guess, we'll have completed a coaching change. Uh, I have a hard time seeing how this situation is going to get a whole lot better. Um, and I'll throw out the addendum. Derek Mason has proven me wrong before, and he might prove me wrong again. Uh, but my guess is there will be a football coaching change at the end of next year. And, um, you know, that will have followed a year of apathy in the stands uh, that's even worse than this past season. And it will culminate in Tennessee basically ransacking that stadium and turning it into a big orange factory. Might as well do the checkerboard in the end zone because that's the way it's going to look. Men's basketball is just kind of a wild card to me right now. Yeah, I think it is to everybody. Um, you know, one of the things that is likely – going to have to happen is that Candace is going to have she's going to have to have a very difficult talk with Stackhouse that basically says look you know we cannot as we sit here and yap about um, you know economics and being a good steward of our money we can't have 13 people on your coaching staff so pick the four that are the four that you value the most and they will be your staff. And, you know, he's got one of two decisions there. Uh, he either accepts that and moves on, um, you know, and, and figures out who the four are, or he says, screw it, I don't need this, um, and, and moves on. I don't think that's what he's going to do, but I, I don't see that she has any choice. There's no way that they can return next year with 13 members of a coaching staff, not after all this yapping about economics and Malcolm Turner spent too much money in good conscience. I don't see how they can do that. It's the weirdest deal I've ever seen. He's got three assistants. Nikki Gross, who is not one of them, seems to be the person who has its ear the most. Grace is out recruiting for them. I think he's the only one doing it. Um, I wonder how long he'll stick around. It's just really weird. And speaking of that, you got the women's situation too. There's been some thought that maybe Stephanie White is near the end of the line, but I don't think that Candace is going to pull the plug on that. Uh, she's the one that made the hire. Frankly, the more that I've learned about that situation, I knew it was bad to begin with. I've learned a little bit more privately in the last week. It is literally the worst hiring process I have ever heard. It makes what Tennessee did to hire Jeremy Pruitt look competent. Um, I think she's got a six-year deal, so I wonder, um, a, are they even displeased with the job she's doing? And B, do they have the capital to pull the plug early on that if that's what they want to do? Yeah, I mean, you've raised some great questions there, and you know that situation better than I do. 
and you know we come down to are they willing to buy out a couple of years you know to to try to move it along i don't know but i would guess in the next month we're going to have that answer one way or the other Papa Hick 4 VU says, would George be willing and or able to do a show exposing the situations that exist at the school in regards to the misinformation and lies that have been told by decades by the administration concerning athletics, the fact that Vanderbilt treats its student-athletes as inferiors to non-student-athletes, etc., perhaps have Adam Sparks on to share what he's found out in regard to Vanderbilt's attitude towards athletics, invite a senior member of the administration to come on the radio to answer the questions asked, Allegations made. If the offers refuse, ignored. Call the school out on that. Do everything possible to light a fire under the powers that be. That's a lot to bite off there. Well, first of all, uh, the answer is yes. I, you know, I've because uh, you and I have talked about a little bit of this kind of thing. I don't believe that um, a radio station is probably going to have the clout uh, to pressure them into doing anything. Um, you know, I've been, uh, I've been around this block now for gosh, close to 30 years as a, as a radio sports talk show host. And to their credit, I don't think, I don't think they care one way or the other, what I think, um, (laughs) nor should they, um, I, I just don't think, I don't think that that moves their needle. I do. I, I agree with you that some of the things that came out in the Tennessean uh, a couple of years ago started to to get the rats scurrying around. It, it's obvious that that bothered some people, uh, but that's just sort of the pecking order of importance. Um, I think a newspaper has a much better shot of eliciting, you know, enough feedback to move the needle. Uh, I'm not sure a radio station does. Well, if you want to be very blunt about this, I think that wins and losses for sports are way down their pecking order of priorities within sports. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the thing that they don't feel to any great extent, whatever fan base is left, the ones that are showing up, let me say this, they had a really good crowd on Saturday for what, you know, for what has been accomplished this season, for their, them to get over 10,000, I, I was really pleasantly shocked when I walked in and saw that. Um, but anyway, I don't think that they, the decision makers, feel the frustration of the fan who goes. They don't have a lot of amenities. Anytime there's a big game, you know, the visiting team has way more fans. It gets frustrating. Uh, it gets uh, demoralizing when you, in your heart, say, the people above don't care. And ultimately, when that starts to happen, you know, human nature takes over and you say, well, if they don't care, why should I care? And I think that's sort of the state of the union right now. Vanderbilt Athletics. Follow-up question from that, which I think you probably have given the preamble to an answer with, with your last answer. Gold River says, tell us why fans like me that never attended Vanderbilt should keep supporting athletics, even though the school's administration doesn't like us. Sidewalk fans like myself make up a good majority of Vanderbilt fans. It's starting to feel like the higher-ups think they're too good for athletics and they're too good for us. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not my it's not my place to tell you where to spend your money or where to spend your emotional heartstrings. Um, you know, I think, like I said, human nature gets you to the point where you sit there and say, if they, let's call it Kirkland, doesn't care, why should I care? And that's that's where this is right now, and the proof is in the pudding. Uh, football attendance, gosh, I can't remember a time where, from a Vanderbilt fan standpoint, it's ever been lower. I mean, they, they can put out some nice statistics that the Georgia and the LSU games had big crowds, but we know what that meant. 
the visiting team turned Vanderbilt Stadium into their own. And, you know, the fan that has to sit through that gets frustrated. And they get more frustrated when they, in their heart, kind of say, you know, the sad thing is the people above don't really care. Bandy Fan 96 says, George, what can or should sidewalk fans like myself do to support athletics and help Vandy, help position Vandy to make real changes? I don't think any of us have the answer to that question. I mean, it's a it's a great question. And certainly all of us that have ever cared at all have thought about that. But in the end, it's a private school that can do whatever it wants to. Um, I guess if I was going to give you an answer, I would say to hope that uh, Greg Sankey with the Southeastern Conference would finally get tired of all this and force the issue. Uh, Because right now, that's about all I see that can make it happen. Harley Hogg 44 says, when do you think the administration will look to make changes with women's basketball? Well, you kind of went over that just a couple of minutes ago. Um, You know, at the end of the season, sometime in mid to late March, we're going to know one way or the other whether they're willing to go through another year of this or make a change. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm going to go on your lead on this. Um, Given the fact that they owe a couple more years contractually, my guess is, that uh, they will retain the staff that's there now. Yeah, I don't think spending money on athletics is very popular over there right now. I think that if they got rid of her, it would be a fight. I just think there's a lot of dynamics that don't suggest to me they're going to make that happen, especially with Candace being the one who was 100% in charge of that hire. I mean, from what I understand, David Williams had nothing to do with that. Uh, she set the committee. She made the decisions around hiring. This is her call. Um, I don't think, on top of everything else, she's going to want to cut bait on the person who she hired and made responsible uh, for women's basketball um, at this point. Yeah, I think you've said it all right there. Raiders 1967 says, do any of these events illustrate problems in the VU administration and athletic department uh, that were present in the 90s and are still present today? One, the departure of national coach of the year, Eddie Fogler, who allegedly could not get a phone call returned by Joe White. Yeah, look, there are some some real similarities. Um, Under his administration, I didn't think Uh, There was a lot of care, concern about athletics, and Eddie certainly had his his run-ins with Paul Houlihan. I'll say this, he can take a number uh, because, you know, I'm in there as well. Uh, There are a bunch of people in that list. Good Lord. Uh, You could fill Vanderbilt Stadium with that list. Uh, Yeah, a lot of it is the same. I would contend that only when Gordon Gee became the chancellor, did you ever start to see a shift in the thinking? Uh, I, I genuinely believe that Gordon Gee cared about athletics. Uh, he cared enough to come on shows like mine and talk to fans, uh, get their feedback. Uh, my only wish at that point was that he had stayed here longer because athletics needed a Gordon Gee, even if you think that some of his stuff was nuts for, for a Vanderbilt athletic fan, they're dying to have somebody at the top that halfway gives a damn. And that's just the bottom line to it. You know, those are some thoughts leading up to something that's been in my head a while. Everything at Vanderbilt is a workaround. It seems to me, I think that they were not going to have the internal capital. Uh, And this is where I think Vanderbilt, people in charge should have pushed back and just said, look, we're going to run an athletics program. We don't care what you fools think. Um, It's going to involve football and success. And if you don't like it, then go find a school to work at that doesn't have that. But Power 5 Athletics is part of the fabric of who we are. Instead, I think that they kowtowed 
and did not pursue the best candidates because they weren't, quote-unquote, a fit at Vanderbilt. I think uh, somebody objected to Boo Corrigan, and that got pulled. You know, Corrigan was the definition of what they were trying to hire by what I was told ahead of time, and they wound up, I think, trying to thread a needle with Malcolm Turner that really was never going to work once Zeppos got pulled out. I think that the pushback started really quickly on him, maybe even within a month after he was gone uh, from the rest of the admin there. I don't think he ever had a chance. And at the backdrop of that, you go back to 2004, okay? And you know something about this maybe more than I do. What I understood at the time was this disbanding of the athletic department was a way to actually get funds to help athletics. And if you look what happened within a few years, their athletic program started improving, and I think that helped. But it was, again, it was another workaround. And I think the consequences from that decision, for reasons I don't understand, in terms of making the AD sort of non-existent and more a part of the integral fabric of the school, had some repercussions uh, that really had a domino effect that are still being that's still being felt today. I think it led to a lot of David Williams being in charge and a lot of what he did. That's a mouthful, but I do think it's back to the workarounds. And I think that while the workaround of eliminating the athletic department has some positives for a few years afterwards, some people think that the negatives of those things are being felt now. Well, you're probably right about that. Um, you know, it, when you go back and look at that whole deal, one of the things that got out for a while that did not help them at all nationally was the use of the word intramurals. And, you know, that was that was something that got put in a press release uh, right at the beginning of the whole thing. Um, bottom line is, I think they need or needed an athletic director that had the strength to go toe to toe with them a little bit to say, look, I, I'm not going to let you off the hook this easy. Um, you know, I guess, I guess there's a part of me that wishes that Malcolm Turner could come out right now and tell us the frustrations that he felt uh, up till now. He's chosen not to do that because I, I would really like to know um you know, what he was feeling during all of this, and more importantly, what he was told to begin with and how different it all changed, you know, within a matter of months of him getting there. Um, because this, it can't keep going on like this. I continue to, to, you know, babble. I just think if this, if this continues down this path much longer, this is not going to be an athletic department or a group of teams that are competing in the Southeastern conference. At some point, if you don't have any fan base, there are going to be repercussions to it that you can't make work. Well, when you have such dysfunction on the way things have been run internally, that's totally on those people. I think then it becomes the responsibility shifting to what's above them. I think now, to me, the Board of Trust at Vanderbilt and the Southeastern Conference office, to me, are both on the clock because the dysfunction is right out in front of people. I mean, and, and trust me, that's not even close to all of it. I've got like a half dozen stories that I don't even know what to do with right now that I haven't even hinted at publicly in some ways. So I think at this point, the focus has to shift on the – entities that have oversight over Vanderbilt, and those are the two, in my mind, that need to start asking a lot of questions. Well, I wish I had the confidence that that was going to happen, but uh, right now I don't see it. I think they will do their best effort to put a happy face on this, to um, cast doubt on the criticisms. Uh, to not answer a lot of tough questions and just go along their merry way, and they've been doing it for 60 years. Yep, it's hard to disagree with what you're saying. Okay, same question 
which again touches on are these issues still present. Uh, and the topic here is the admissions fiasco of Ron Mercer. Um, well, tell me, are you wanting me to go back and talk about that a little bit? Well, the question was a complicated one, and it says, do these events illustrate problems in the view, view administration athletic department that are still present today? I think what he wants to know is, are there still elements about how Vanderbilt operates that would make an emissions fiasco like Ron Mercer still possible? Well, I, I would hope not. Um, I can tell you that in the uh, in the close to 30 years that I've been doing talk radio, sports talk radio, I think that is the most explosive uh, deal that I ever had to uh, deal with on the air. Um, you know, this doesn't answer the question, but I would say about 10 days before the whole story exploded, Buzz Peterson who was then an assistant on Jan Van Bredekoff's staff, invited me over, and we basically had hot dogs and beer and watched the NCAA tournament. And I think it was the weekend, I think I'm right about this, that uh, Michael Jordan announced that he was coming back. So anyway, Buzz and I had, boy, a lot of conversation that night. And near, near the end of this, I said to him, okay, I said, here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that Ron Mercer wants to come to Vandy, not necessarily out of any great love for Vandy, but he simply wants to get back to Nashville. And I'm hearing that they may not admit him. And Buzz kind of told me, he said, look, I'm doing everything I can to make this happen. Um, but he didn't have a lot of help. He had Paul Houlihan as an athletic director, which I think was, um, you know, not going to help him at all. And, you know, I've always wondered under what setting could Ron Mercer have gotten in? Uh, because I know Ron, he's not stupid. Um, he can do, I believe he can do or could do uh, the work that was put out there. Um, I, I say that. If I could do their work, um, you know, <laughs> I guess I come to the conclusion if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, but I just remember that night talking to him and thinking, oh, Lord, th this situation is really about to explode. I didn't know the level to which it was going to explode, explode. But boy, I remember that night going over to his house and he and I talked about it a bunch. Okay, this next one is about R.A. Dickey and about that situation. Now, from my understanding, and I'm sure you can add some insight here because you know R.A. and you know Vanderbilt, and I'm sure you know some things about NBA as well, but my understanding is that the Dickey thing, there was a particular element to that where Vanderbilt had admitted a ton of NBA graduates the year before and just like a very small percentage came so, from what I understand, R.A. was kind of in the middle of that where they're like, okay, well, if you guys aren't going to come to our school, we're not going to admit as many of you. And he sort of got caught in the crosshairs with that one. But you know about that situation better than I do. Well, you know, it's funny that you bring this up because um, in 1995, when uh, West Durham left to go to, uh, to, go to Georgia Tech, the play-by-play -play job was open and it, it ended up with a really weird meeting between me and Paul Houlihan. I mean, it, it can now be told. I think even Paul would laugh about it. Uh, if he heard this, we met quote in secret on the tennis courts and he came out there and he was a real smart ass about the whole thing. He, uh, it was clear he didn't want to hire me. And it was clear that John Rich uh, had sort of forced the issue. And Houlihan came out there. Um, it looked like a shootout at the OK Corral. And uh, he handed me this package of, of uh, information and said, 
if you want the job, here it is. If not, to hell with you. And he turned around and walked back toward McGugan. And I remember thinking, oh, Lord, you know, what is this going to be like? And for some reason, he turned around and he said, and by the way, your information on R.A. Dickey is incorrect. And instead of keeping quiet, I fired back at him and said, well, Paul, my information is not incorrect. I said, the source of my story is R.A. Dickey. The deal was that R.A. Dickey and his father both played basketball at the Green Hills Y a lot. It's a good chance to give the Y a little plug. Um, you know, that back then, that was a great place to, to play, and they had four-on-four run-and-shoot leagues, and I was young enough that I was still playing a lot of basketball, not nearly at the level that I thought I was playing at. But um, R.A. basically one day out on the court told me that he had been refused admission to Vanderbilt. I didn't really ask why, but I went on the air the next day and said, you know, here's here's the second one. You know, we've had Ron Mercer, and now we have R.A. Dickey. And R.A. was the one who told me uh, about it. And um, so that's the story as I know it. Um, you know, and we all now know enough to know that that decision looked really stupid. Uh, R.A. Dickey is a smart, very thoughtful human being. Um, you know, he's um, he's certainly smarter than your average Major League Baseball player. Um, you know, he'd rise to the top of the class when it comes to that kind of thing. And to think that he wasn't capable of doing their work, or at least that's kind of what was being put out there, is just complete foolishness. And Arbor Door says, what role, if any, did the Board of Trust have in Eddie Fogler leaving? I don't really know. Um, that I mean, it's a good question. I don't know that I've really got the answer to it. And I'm not really sure that the board um, would really know quite what was going on uh, in that setting. I know that Eddie had reached a point where he was very, very frustrated with his dealings with Hulahan. And he had confided, he had confided in me that don't be shocked if at the end of the year that I get on a plane. Well, Chris, we're going to get to storytelling time again. Um, right about the time all that happened in March of 1993, both Western Kentucky and Vanderbilt were reaching the Sweet 16. And Western Kentucky was doing it under a brilliant coach named Ralph Willard. I did the play-by-play on, on his school's TV broadcast, and I was also Ralph's uh, host for his TV show. And so right at the end of the year, Ralph and I are going to do what is a final show to recap that season. And at the end of it, he and I went to breakfast and he told me that he had interviewed for the South Carolina job within the last day or two that he had been, they'd flown in there. And, and I ended up telling Ralph, I said, well, you've got more competition than, you know, and he said, what do you mean? I said, Eddie Fogler, I said, after they dropped you off in Nashville, they picked up Eddie and Robin Fogler. And I said, they're either there right now or have just left and come back. I said, it would not shock me if South Carolina offers the job to Eddie Fogler. And uh, in fact, that is what happened. Um, you know, I think he waited for some sort of counter offer from Joe Wyatt because, you know, it, it later got out that he was paid uh, right at the bottom of, of the conference. Wade Houston, who bless his heart, couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag was making more money at Tennessee than Fogler was. And so, I mean, we all know that was a real screw up. Uh, didn't go well. Um, 
but I don't know what the board of trusts part in that play was or wasn't other than to be informed that, you know, he's leaving or he's left. Well, some parts of the audience have heard me say this before on the board. Boards of trust react to what is presented to them. What is presented to them is controlled by the upper level of Vanderbilt. And so you're dealing with a board of trust that is a lot of times disengaged. Almost none of them live here. Um, I don't know how many are actually keenly interested in sports. And again, when that topic comes up, from what I understand, I think a lot of this was in David. I don't think that they viewed football as more important than women's golf or tennis and a lot of things like that. So, hey, how are sports doing? Well, guess what? We were, you know, almost won the national title in tennis. And, you know, of course, baseball, that's that's a big deal. But they can throw that out there and they can sort of pad it with some of the sports that a lot of people don't watch that are doing well. Then they can say, well, football's done really well lately. We went to some bowls. Well, a bowl now is not what a bowl was in 1980. You and I know that. They may not know that. And so, again, everything that is going in front of the Board of Trust is a narrative that's going to be crafted by the administration, and that includes priorities for athletics and funding and things like that. And that's why I say at this point it's kind of on the board to look into it because if you're relying on what's coming out of Kirkland, that's what you're going to get. Uh, in a nutshell, it's called happy news. Yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> so so you've gotten a big old dose of my cynicism today and a little bit of storytelling. Um, other than that, I haven't been worth much. Well, I'll give you credit. You called this weeks ago. You said, I am skeptical that they'll ever do anything. That went against everything I'd ever heard. But you had this whole thing going down where they're cutting the rug out from under Turner the whole time. Um, and because I guess he's not out there talking or dealing with people and he's got his own set of issues. While what I, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say I don't think that sabotage is too hard of a term based on the picture that has been painted for me with what happened here. And I just think that by the time it had been done, we were all too late to realize what happened. And now we're just sitting here trying to sift through the pieces of the wreckage three weeks later. Now, if you remember privately, um, I was saying to some of you all, with not a lot of proof of anything, that a bomb is going to go off before this is over, that something bad is going to happen. Um, and let me also say this, um, even with Malcolm Turner being let go, I still think there's a lot more coming in this story. I think you've got a lot of pent up anger amongst fans, frustration that turns into apathy that turns into no seats being filled. I think they better be really careful, uh, because I think there's a level of bad that's out there right now that we have not seen in a long time. Oh, I completely agree. The more that I've dug into this, I have found stories that I did not know were out there that I don't know what to deal with that are going to be very difficult to report on if I can do that at all. Um, I always go back to when people ask me, you know, what do you think will happen? Well, I know that Malcolm was given charge to do what he wanted to do, and the evidence we all had was he was able to do that. I don't think what any of us knew was that when Nick Zippos left, uh, he was going to meet so much resistance from within his own school that I just don't know if he had any allies over there. I mean, I just think that it looks to me like they were just intent on pulling the rug out from under him almost the minute Zeppos got out the door. Yeah, and that's really a shame. Um, you know, I don't know what level of athletic director Malcolm Turner would have become. Um, I know that he had a lot of ideas about how to start to go about fixing the place. 
And I think in the end, they didn't want any of those ideas and shame on them for that. Now, he made some mistakes that make it easier to kind of show him the door. Uh, but still, uh, th- this thing is wrong. It just is. Vandy Man won, and I don't know anything about this, and I presume you don't either, but maybe you do, and so I will ask. He says, react to the fact that I saw men's basketball fans turned away by ushers at the baseball game. It was the eighth inning, and those fans were on the way to the Georgia game. There were plenty of seats. Is this the Vanderbilt way? Yeah, I I, I can't really um, respond to it other than to say if, if that happened, that's unfortunate. I didn't see it, uh, so I don't know one way or the other. I'll certainly take his word for it, but I didn't see it. So other than to say, hey, I, I hate that that happened, I, I don't know what else I can give you. Last question from CA Money. We all know George is a huge Braves fan. Do you have any cool memorabilia from the Braves or any other national sports teams? Also, did you collect baseball cards as a kid, and what was your most prized? You know, I did, but I wasn't – I wasn't just overly obsessed with the baseball card thing. Um, I don't even know where they are. Um, For all I know, they could be down in my garage, uh, and I don't even know it. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Um, You know, I've got – what have I got? I guess the one piece of Braves memorabilia that I've got is a – and and I'm about to walk up there to describe it – in my rec room, I've got a, a, a big, you know, what looks like the size of a, a big old painting. And what it is, is it's three newspaper articles that have been matted um, above a couch. And it all goes back to, to 1991. Uh, Braves win the West, National League West champs, Braves clinch. And it's a it's a cool deal. And then I've got the world series tickets, uh, that I, that I used that year, uh, also in this thing. Uh, I'll say this 20, however many years later it's been, um, the thing's in remarkably good shape. It really hasn't yellowed to the point that I thought it would. And so it's all very readable. Um, you know, for me, it's really cool because I've always said 91, is the best baseball season, most exciting baseball season I've ever been a part of because I thought the whole Southeast, mostly because so many of their games were on TBS, the whole Southeast really got into that team. It was really cool. I still have all my old cards that are worth anything. They're not worth what we thought they were going to be worth in the 1980s. But I still have them. They're sentimental. I have one story. It hurts me to tell this. Tops one year made basketball cards. And they made them in panels that were perforated. And being a kid, I would tear those out and make the one card into three. And I had one that had a Larry Bird rookie card, a Magic Johnson rookie card, and a Julius Irving panel in the middle that I tore. And last I checked, that would have been worth – Oh, $500, and I think that was years ago, if I had kept it intact and instead it's in pieces, and it just makes me sick every time I see it. Yeah, you're, you're more into it than I was. Um, you know, I was into sitting around listening to games. Baseball was a radio sport, much more so than it is today, and it was, uh, it, it was just really a, a neat thing for me. Um, I spent a lot of time as a little kid listening to games on radio and loved it. Yeah, I did all that too, but I was very much into cards as a kid. So, uh, George, we've gone an hour. We've hit a lot of ground. I will be on your show Tuesday, I believe. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk yep. about. So, wanted to give you the floor before we end the day to promote your show. Well, thank you, Chris. The, um, the, the show is on 560 on the AM dial, which is WNSR, and also 95.9 on FM. Um, you can hear it that way, or when the signal runs out on you, uh, go on the app, which is Nashville Sports Radio, which 
allows you to hear it anywhere from Istanbul to Moscow. And uh, Candace, uh, Candace Lee's story will uh, be on our show today at 2.15, or at least that's when she's scheduled to come on. So I hope uh, some people will listen in. Thank you, George. Thank you, Chris. He's George Plaster. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we'll have more episodes coming your way later this week.